Jesus Christ is in the cabin with them. And the Lord asks them to do some work, a particular task. And he brings them outside and shows them this massive rock. And he calls him to push against the rock with all of his might. And that the man does. Every day he gets up at dawn, goes out, pushes against the rock until sunset. And he does this day after day, year after year. And every day he comes back to his cabin uh, worn out and tired. And the adversary, seeing an opportunity to discourage him, uh, uh, speaks some thoughts uh, into his mind and says, why are you killing yourself doing this? What's the point of doing this? You haven't managed to move that rock one millimeter. Why don't you just take it easy? So this the man started to do. Until one day he decided to take his sort of discouragements and troubled thoughts to God by praying about it. And he said, Lord, you called me to do this task of pushing against this rock with all my might. It hasn't budged at all. What's going wrong? Why am I failing here? And the Lord spoke to him very compassionately and said, whenever I called you, I called you to push against that rock with all of your might. This you've done. But do you really think of yourself as a failure? Because look at your back, it's covered in strong sinews. Look at your arms, they're covered in muscles. Your hands are tough and callous, calloused from constant pushing. Your legs are massive and hard for going up against constant opposition. Look what you've become, look at yourself. And the Lord said to him, I called you to push against that rock with all of your might, and this you have done. You have prayed and you have worked and you have trusted in my wisdom. Never for one moment did I expect you to move the rock. And the Lord says to him, now my friend, you have obeyed, you have prayed. Now I, my friend, will now move the rock. I think that's what the Lord has been doing among us as a family over many years. The other day I was, had the privilege of going in to see a gentleman called John Bateman, a member of our church family who uh, is in a nursing home here in Bangor. And whenever Susan and Emily and I came here 14 years ago, one of the things that really encouraged us about Bangor Parish as a church family was the amount of praying that was going on. And John Bateman and a team of about 20 people would meet for about an hour and a half every Tuesday evening in the room in there, and they would pray. They would pray for the church family, they'd pray for the sick, they'd pray for the town, they'd pray about overseas missionaries, they'd pray about all sorts of things, week in, week out, year in, year out. And also as well, there were a group of life groups, small groups, house groups, names have changed over the years. And um, John was in charge of facilitating and coordinating all of those. And they were probably the two things that really encouraged us most in terms of that sense of coming as a family, the call uh, to Bangor and being part of the church family. So uh, 
I just want to encourage John on our behalf and just to say thank you again on our behalf for his ministry of intercession, which of course is such an unseen ministry, but absolutely vital. And he was delighted to hear how the Lord's been answering those prayers over the years. And his, and his sister Kathleen was very much involved in that ministry as well. A number of years after we came here, I remember a friend of mine who was a Church of Ireland minister came with a, a, a group of friends from America. And we, we sort of spent some time walking and praying around the church. They, they said, can we come and pray with you and come and pray around the church? I said, absolutely, love, love that. So we spent an evening praying. And at the end of the evening, we gathered together here at the front. And I still remember what one of the American guys said. He said, uh, as I was praying, I just had this picture of a, a massive angel standing at the front of the church, and the angel's name is Resurrection. I, I find it very encouraging because there's that sense of new life, of God bringing about new life, and uh, God doing the thing that he was uh, doing in terms of uh, bringing transformation and revitalization. And that's what God does. God is in the transformation business. God is a God who, who steps in and transforms people, circumstances, community, and ultimately all of creation. Creation that he brought into being and one that he has recreated through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what this, this meal here today is about. It's about the, the, the recreation. It's about uh, Eden restored. It's about paradise found in Jesus Christ. It's, it's the planting of a seed that will grow and grow with the kingdom and nothing can stop it. And strangely, it's through the seed that has fallen to the ground and died. And out of that seed, multiplication has happened. And that's why we're here today. Whenever we first came, um, there was a telecommunications mast in the spire of this church. And um, it was a booster unit to, to boost the signal. And because of telecommunication advancement uh, over the years, the select vestry began to become increasingly uneasy. Um, that it was pretty clear that there would be photographs and things being transmitted from the spire of the church, as well as a lot of good stuff. But there would be stuff going out that would be unsavory and criminal in nature. And uh, so we felt impelled to pray. There was a 12-year contract, and we were sort of in the middle of it, and we were just praying, Lord, we do feel the time now is right for this to be removed from the spire of the church. It was a 12-year contract. We had to write a letter a year before that 12 years to say, would please take your communications mast out, and that we did. We didn't have any replies. We wrote lots of letters, and then eventually they wrote back and said, sorry, contract isn't worth the paper it's written on. We refuse to take the mast out of your spire. We considered legal action, but we decided very quickly, no, we're going to pray. So we did a lot of praying. Some of us uh, at the behest, I remember of Jim Fulton said, let's walk around the church seven times and let's pray, God, do your thing. And that we did. So I remember that time that a girl from another church came to, and asked to speak to me. 
And uh, she worked in Belfast, and every day when she was driving back from Belfast to where she lives here in Bangor, she said she would pray about Bangor, pray over Bangor, and um, our spire is quite visible. And, but she felt as the weeks and months went on that the Lord was telling her to focus her prayers to do with the spire of Bangor Parish Church. And as she prayed, she had this picture in her mind of this big wall of big stones and one massive stone in the middle and in behind was this big body of water that she took to be the Holy Spirit. And the sense that she had was, you remove this big stone, the Holy Spirit will flow and it has something to do with your spire. She knew nothing about the telecommunications mast, so I told her in confidence. And so we prayed. So the months rolled on and the telecommunications company uh, refused to take their mast out and then by the grace of God something happened that hadn't happened in 13 years. The mast went on the blink. And the RCB, the representative church body of the Church of Ireland who uh, sort of uh, these properties are vested in them so they get the final say. They said don't let them in. So we didn't let them in. And uh, they, the telecommunications company leaned on us. The local press leaned on us because people couldn't use their phones of that particular communications provider. And then after not responding to our communications, the company started to contact us. And we sat down with them and made a gentleman's agreement. We shook hands and said, we'll let you come in to fix your mast if after four months you turn it off, you find it in our location, and you take the mast out. And we shook hands, and that we did. came to the first week in June 2012 and in the span of 24 hours three things happened. We celebrated the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. We had a party, it was a missional event and we invited people to it and we organized that here in the church. That day too, the communications company came in and they switched off the mast after 13 or 14 years. And in the early hours of the next morning, the place went on fire. I don't tell us this so that we can uh, continue to look back to the past the reason why I'm sharing this this morning is because God is a God who answers prayer and God is in the transformation business. And God works in ways that we could never ourselves dream up. And he does things that unlock potential that, humanly speaking, we could never do. We push, we pray, we obey. Ultimately, it is God's finger that moves what seems to be the immovable object. 
My sense is that God is calling us now to a deeper place of prayer and preparation as we move into a deeper place of mission as the people of God. You see, at that time, the other part of the story is that other things that were happening in parallel to this was that we sensed that God wanted to do a new thing among us, but we realized the building was sort of working against us. Great though the building is. And um, so the select vestry, we met together and we did SWOT analysis and all that type of stuff and uh, had lots of paper produced and you know, I'm sure there was benefit in that. Uh, but we sort of got to the point of thinking, okay, um, what do we do? The, the money, money needs to be spent on the building. So we were told to fix the organ will cost you about £100,000. To, to fix the lighting circuit will cost you eighty or £90,000. To do the carpet will be uh, more. To paint the building, it'll be more. And really, we're going to have to spend a quarter, quarter million pounds in order just to make do amend. And nobody was really even going to see very much of what was done. And that's why the vests were meeting together. So then, I think it was either the April, probably about the March or April meeting, we came out of our room and we just walked around the church and we prayed. And after about 45 minutes of going around all different places in the church and praying, we went back into the room and uh, Ivan's wife, Val, who's passed away to be with the Lord, said, I think we should all kneel down, hold hands, and say, God, do whatever it takes. And that we did. And that was about four or five weeks before the fire broke out. The thing is, God, yes, he's transformed the building. That is fantastic. And people have given very sacrificially on top of the insurance money and are still giving over the next 10 years to make that happen. And thank you for that. But one of the th- main things as well has been, has been the transformation of our lives and of our hearts. And I think over the last couple of years, one of the big things God's been doing among us has been building capacity as a church. So whereas before we didn't have a, a, a property team, a finance team, a communications team, a cleaning team, a hospitality team, an AV team, uh, there's just so many different teams we have now that we didn't have a number of years ago. And many of you are already part of those teams. Youth and children's, all the rest. Worship teams, uh, prayer teams, There are all sorts of things that have been happening over this last number of years. And that has been an extremely important thing, I think, in what the Lord has continued to do. And many of you have come to join the church since the fire. I think the Lord is now saying to us, now we're moving into the next place. We're moving into the next phase. And the next phase is going out and winning the world for Christ. I know we've been seeking to do that, but I think this is the fresh call of God, God in our lives. And these months are months of praying and preparation. We've got all sorts of, of ideas. Uh, Matthew's going to help us to move forward in all those things. But they will remain ideas so long 
uh, unless we as the people of God enter into a place of prayer and the Lord prompts you, as you hear about the ways that we're going to seek to uh, put clothes on people's backs and provide places where people can come and, and access food bank food more easily, um, where we'll run alpha courses, uh, men's events and women's events and youth events and children's events and uh, all sorts of things to help people discover Christ and the goodness of God in practical ways and in spoken word ways. And, uh, but the reality is all those things will remain ideas unless we as a family of God enter into that place of listening to Jesus Christ, hearing his call, and being prompted to join in this work. So I want to call us, yes, to action, but I want to call us to the thing that needs to happen before effective action in the kingdom, and that is to a place of prayer. So next week, Sunday before Lent, uh, we'll uh, seek to distribute we cards and things, just I suppose to help us during the 40 days of Lent to start praying personally and as a family about these things. We're having a prayer and worship event on the evening of the 4th of March here, an opportunity for worship and prayer over an extended period. We'll do that at the General Vestry as well, praying together. Uh, we're going to have some continuous days of 24-hour prayer just before Palm Sunday, 23rd, 25th of March. Then with the Holy Week, which we're hosting this year, and Bishop Ken Clark's going to come and do some talks. In the background, we're going to have a prayer room operating with the other six churches, other five churches, and we're going to do that praying during that week as well. And we're going to continue to pray as the months and the years roll on, God willing. This morning in our reading, there was a wonderful moment. Jesus is up the mountain praying. He brings Peter, James, and John with him. And it's as if God peels back a layer of reality. And the disciples witness Jesus Christ bathed in the, in the love and the light and the power of the kingdom of God. And the voice comes from heaven. The father speaks and says, this is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. They sort of remind us of the words spoken of the baptism of Jesus whenever the father said, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. But this time the Father is speaking not to Jesus. He's speaking to the disciples. Amazingly in this moment, as Jesus is transfigured with the glorious light of, of heaven, the Father speaks not for the sake of Jesus, but for his disciples. The moments in worship and prayer are so important because they must precede really joyous and effective kingdom work. Because in that place of prayer, a number of vital things happen. And the most important thing is to do with identity. Because actually what happens in the place of prayer is that we hear afresh the voice of the Father saying to us, you're my son, you are my daughter, with you I am well pleased. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. And we are clothed in him. There's also 
the element of vocation, that in that place of prayer, as we open our ears and our lives up to God as children of God, he speaks and he calls us to join him in his work. It's the word of vocation. It's the word of God saying, I have work for you to do. We'll do it together. And the third thing about the prayer is empowerment. That actually in that place, God equips us to do what seems to be utterly impossible. Because here's the thing. And here's how you know whenever God's calling you to do something. It looks utterly impossible to do. Because if the Lord calls to do something that we think, yeah, I I can do that. That's not a problem. It's not going to build the kingdom. Action that builds the kingdom is saying, my goodness, (laughs) God, if this is you, you're going to have to help because I can't see how this could possibly be done. In a way, the Father is saying to the disciples, he's saying, listen to my son, follow my son. That's why he's speaking to the disciples, because they're just about to embark on a whole new world of light overcoming darkness, of goodness overcoming evil, culminating in the cross of Christ when Jesus hangs on the cross and in the midst of it all, strange as it may seem, he overcomes the devil, sin and hell. It's interesting that the all of the gospel writers follow the account of the transfiguration with the account of the demon-possessed boy that the disciples are unable to deal with. What's happened before this is that people have just come and touched Jesus and been healed. Jesus has given a command. The person's been healed. The disciples have gone out together. They have cast out demons They've healed the sick. But here is a situation, here is a demon who has them beaten. And Jesus is saying, there is depths of evil that require greater depths of prayer. So as we step out into a world in need, in the name of Christ, in the power of his spirit, to his glory, we need to step into deeper places of prayer and preparation if we were to see deeper flourishing happen in our daily lives, in our workplaces, in our families. Because this isn't just about us organizing things. The primary way we reach people is in our day-to-day lives. Yes, we have all the organized things and say, yeah, come along to an event, come along to Alpha, come along and eat food and buns and cake and tea and coffee. All that is really good. But ultimately, it's in our own lives, in our own relationships, where really that's where the nitty-gritty of God's kingdom works its way out. So I just want to encourage you. Sometimes in our lives, we think that in the Christian life, the first number of years are going to be the tough ones till we sort of get the grips with everything, and then it'll all just run smoothly. That's not the way it works. If the life of Jesus shows anything, it shows us that what happens is that as Jesus grows, and look 
defines this and describes this beautifully that you know he grew in stature and favor with God and men he went into the desert full of the Holy Spirit he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit what Luke is telling us in this gospel is that Jesus is growing he's growing he's growing he's growing he is growing more and more powerful with every day of his life until finally he is ready to to go to the cross and the same is true of our lives that we are to be people who grow and grow and grow. And what that actually means is that again and again, the Lord puts before us situations that are bigger and deeper and harder and darker than anyone we've ever met before. The Christian life isn't actually about acceleration. And the Christian life is always and probably a bit like that where the Lord is constantly calling us into deeper places of breaking open the darkness and the light of Christ shining in. I want to just encourage us as the family of God to pray, to prepare, to listen to Jesus Christ as the Father said. And as we pray personally, as we pray together, if you sense the Lord saying, what about this? Or I sense God saying to me, yeah, I'd love you to get involved in this. Talk to us. Come with ideas. Um, so we can see the kingdom of God advance. Because that is what the Lord is doing. The Lord is in the transformation business. And even this morning as we gather here, as we celebrate communion, as we sing our hearts out to God, let's again be going into that deeper place of prayer and just offering ourselves to God and saying, Lord, I don't know necessarily what it is you're calling me to. I, I, I know it, it'll be big. I know it'll seem beyond me. But I have you, and may the glory go to you, and you've placed around me brothers and sisters in Christ. These months leading up to October time, really, are these months of prayer and preparation. My hope and prayer is, as I've thought and prayed about this, is I'd love in the first year if we were able to touch 40,000 people with the gospel of Christ in word and deed here in Bangor and beyond. I was delighted in sharing this with the vestry and said to the vestry, could you put aside 20,000 pounds to help us to do this? And they said, let's go for it. But the other thing that was said was, we need to pray. So that's what we're going to be doing.